Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Matt Mann, the National Manager for Information Governance and eDiscovery Sales at RICO. Hi, Matt. How are you? Doing excellent. How are you, Ari? I'm doing really well. So tell us about your background and your role at RICO. Well, I'm a self-described math nerd. Always been a big fan of math. I graduated from UC San Diego with a degree in mathematics applied sciences. Been with RICO now for 14 years. I'm a certified e-discovery specialist and information governance professional. And I lead the information governance and e-discovery sales team where we collaborate with clients to solve challenges associated with information risk and e-discovery. What workplace communications challenges are you finding e-discovery practitioners facing today? Just the ever-evolving applications for communication within organizations. I think particularly organizations bring on new applications without properly vetting them from an information governance standpoint, with the ability to search for documents, identify, preserve, and even collect I think they're onboarded faster than they're vetted, and thus it's creating challenges when discovery comes and you need to collect and review this information. Has professional communication become more casual in this remote work-from-home environment? I believe it has. I think it's become more casual even prior to this pandemic and remote work-from-home, and this has only accelerated that. People are taking advantage of every opportunity they have to connect. They're not out at social gatherings anymore. They leverage some of the workplace gatherings to be able to have that social interaction. So I think it has accelerated it during this time frame. And along with that, emoji utilization seems to be increasing as well. And in 2016, 33% of the connected population were utilizing emoji in workplace communications. And that's up to 61% as of last year in 2019, according to an Adobe survey. So you know what's funny about that? I have a 15-year-old daughter and would send her messages with the colon, close parentheses, smiley face, and she had no idea what that was and now thinks it's so retro that instead of an emoji, she will use this as her way to communicate with me. Like we have our secret language, but it's sort of like old dad, teenager kind of communication. Yeah, it all started with the emoticon actually in 1982 in a computer science lab that they were trying to figure out, are these communications in jest? Are they serious? So they had the emoticons to say, hey, this is funny or this is in jest. And then in 1999 in Japan, the emojis were invented. So emoticons are a little more retro, but I still think that they're cool in some degree. How are individuals now using emojis in their professional correspondence? Most individuals utilizing emoji at work use it to their peers. So it's in internal communication to their peers. Additionally, about 4% are utilizing them in external communication. So, and I see that, I believe, increasing during the pandemic. It'll be interesting to see as more studies are done in 2020 or 2021, how that's increased. And you're also seeing it in marketing. There's been some proof points and studies that you get more clicks and opens and leads from emails that have emoji in the subject line. I often struggle with figuring out what people mean with the emoji. What is this smiley face? Is this tear of sadness? Is it laughing? What are the challenges associated with interpreting emojis? 
there's numerous because there's cultural challenges, language, generation divides that all change and can change the meaning. One of my favorites is the thumbs up emoji. We see it in the United States all the time, really in the Western culture where it's a mean of approval. But you got to be careful because in the Middle East and I think even parts of Italy and Greece, it can be offensive and vulgar, meaning up yours. So even imagine if you're doing some sort of contract negotiation with somebody in the Middle East and someone writes, you know, hey, I just did some red lines. Do you approve of my edits? And you send a thumbs up emoji where your meaning is looks great, approved, and they take it as up yours and offensive. And that could really break down those negotiations. So let's take that a step further. What are some of the legal issues and even discovery challenges associated with emojis? It'd be interpretation. I think it's important for uh, attorneys involved in litigations and investigations to accurately comprehend what an emoji means, not just what it means from their point of view, but really from the point of view of the sender. So it could be from geographically, where was it sent? We have different emoji pictographs based on what platform you're on. So example, an iOS versus an Android emoji will look different versus a Google one. And then just generational context and emojis can change in terms of their meanings overnight. Lizzo sent a tweet with I am, then the peach emoji, then M-E-N-T. And all of a sudden the peach emoji took on an anti-Trump sentiment. So that happened overnight from a tweet from a famous singer. And all of a sudden it has thousands of followers all of a sudden, you don't know what the peach emoji means. It has a whole new meaning. These meanings change. They evolve. They're different depending on which country you're in, which generation you are. So you really need to understand who's using that emoji and then be able to properly comprehend it. Additionally, from a discovery challenge, some attorneys don't even ask for them. They don't even know that they exist. They're not even asking if emojis are utilized in workplace communications. Some organizations have their own custom emoji to celebrate innovation or customer centricity or great teamwork, and they may have their own custom. One Slack customer says that one organization has more than 26,000 custom emojis. I can't even imagine having to do a review of those communications and trying to interpret the meaning and relevance and a certain communication string should be produced. How do you manage technology that you're using for e-discovery in terms of emoji interpretation? It's evolving. Fortunately, technology is evolving. Celebrite's evolved their mobile phone collection technology to collect emoji. And so when you get the initial Celebrite report, even in Excel, you can look for emoji and search off of emoji. Relativity updated with their short messaging review. And you can convert JSON files from Slack and Bloomberg, Skype, et cetera, to load into the relatively short message viewer. So it's much easier, much more natural native for that review. Prior to that though, there really wasn't any collection or strategy other than maybe doing a screenshot or a native review. And I'm just thinking in the past, how many cases potentially had collections done where emojis were just not collected from the text string, they were just left off. And think about the difference of the tone or what was being communicated if you leave the emoji out. So it's really important during custodial interviews to identify how emojis are being used, which emojis are being used, and make sure that they're collected and reviewed with analytics and doing active learning type of workflows. It doesn't pick up the emoji. It's based on text. So when you're doing a review with emoji in it, you're going to have to do more of a keyword search for emoji. And it'd be interesting to see if ESI protocols in the future have emoji in terms of keyword search strings that need to be run. 
How do you see emojis and social media in workplace communications impacting information governance and e-discovery going forward? Well, there needs to be some protocols in place, especially from an information governance perspective. You talk about compliance, especially in highly regulated industries. There's an article in Wall Street Journal regarding certain emojis with money and cash that can be deemed as promissory if you're in the financial services or sales industry. We don't want to be sending a client, hey, I've got a great stock and I want to invest in it. it ends up with a pile of money emoji that could be promissory in terms of a return. Additionally, just limiting which emoji are acceptable to use in the workplace that may not be up to interpretation. For example, the smiley face, everyone pretty much knows it's happy. So you're adding a happy tone to your flat text, which I think is a positive thing. You're trying to show and add some emotion to your text, which is hard to do. But now there's over 3,000 Unicode accepted emojis. People aren't going to understand that dictionary or the unique cultural nuances associated with each of those emojis. So maybe limiting the usage and the types of communication. When you have an HR investigation or termination letter or email, you know, utilizing emoji and those types of communications should be unacceptable. It's unprofessional and not warranted there. So I think it depends on what type of marketing communications, what type of customer-facing communications, and what type of internal communications are emoji acceptable in, and which emoji should be used and can be used. And maybe even including a dictionary. Hey, here are our custom emoji, like I mentioned in the previous example. This is the emoji we use to celebrate great teamwork or innovation or a great idea versus just letting people use whatever emoji they want and then leave that up to interpretation by the different people and their colleagues. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Matt Mann, the National Manager for Information Governance and eDiscovery Sales at RICO. Matt, thanks so very much. Thank you, Ari. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.